The Guardian. If it happened, there'd just be huge public resentment. I think uh, I think a private donor would have a lot of difficulty here. A lot of people feel so strongly, not just feel strongly, passionately. I think leave the forest as it is. If someone has to take it over, then let it be someone that's going to look after the forest and allow the locals to um, carry on as in the in the way they have for the last thousands of years. They keep repeating it. It doesn't matter who owns it. It doesn't matter who owns it. What give me the deeds to your house then? Prove to me it doesn't matter who owns anything. I'm standing amongst hundreds of trees, all with yellow ribbons tied around them. A protest by local people in the Forest of Dean. News that the government plan to sell off all 258,000 hectares of state-owned English woodland has been met with roaring disapproval by the public. A recent YouGov survey showed that 84% of us are against the sale. But barely a couple of weeks into the three-month consultation period, could the coalition be having second thoughts? I'm Stephen Morris, and this week's Focus podcast explores the prospective sale of Forestry Commission land like this. We'll be asking what private ownership would mean for our beloved woodland and whether an alternative ownership model could ever really work. As part of David Cameron's Big Society, charities and community groups are being offered woods at the market rate, but can they afford to buy and maintain this land? I've come up to Beach and Hurst Lodge. There's all sorts of sculpture trails and walks through here. I'm going to try and find out what people here think of the proposed sell-off. Well, from what I understand, I think it's terrible to, to think that this is just going to become raw material for, for making profit when this has been here for so many years for everyone to enjoy and, and to take part in. It is a beautiful place, the Forest of Dean. It's not just the, the trees, it's the, it's the hillsides and the, the little valleys that, that suddenly open up. It's, uh, it feels a long way away from anywhere as well, although it's only 40 minutes or so from centre of Bristol and probably the same to Cardiff you feel a long way away from civilization really it would be a real shame if places like this were lost to ramblers and mountain bikers and and horse riders what do you think of the forest sell-off we've got something that works very well so why change it it works for visitors for us locals for the working people that work in the forest They all love it, and I've never known a place in the country where people are so together all the time about their forest, even before this all started. So anyone that tries to come in and change it has got a lot of trouble on their hands. Sounds like it could be a vote loser for the Conservatives. Yes, I think it could. I mean, we've been basically Conservatives in our family all our lives, and I think they're changing. 40 million of us visit the public forests every year to ramble, mountain bike or maybe have a picnic. The Forest of Dean, one of our iconic woods, is a haven for locals and tourists. And the Hands Off Our Forest, HOOF organisation, has been holding demos since the news of the sell-off first broke. I've come to a tiny coal mine in the middle of the forest to meet HOOF secretary Ian Standing and chairman Rich Daniels, who is one of the two miners who works here. Hello, is it Ian? Hello, yes. Rich? Yes. It is. How's it going? Greetings. Well, Come on in. Thank you very much. What sort of an office is this? This is the best office in the world, this is. I'll tell you that. You couldn't be in a better environment, could you? Buzzards above our head, ravens. Listen, you can't hear anything. That's the ticking of the clock. It's the best office in the world. That's what this is. Can you imagine a, a time when the, the forest is owned by a private company? 
as, as, as possibly could happen. I can't, I can't imagine that. I can't contemplate it even. Well, the Forest of Dean has got a huge amount of independence um, and proud independence. Uh, you've seen the places where we work. Um, you know, they look after themselves, they look after their community. And that's something which not many people talk about is the forest community. You know, we keep hearing this about the, uh, the big society. Well, we're doing it here. Our relationship with the Forestry Commission, the relationship with our community, it is a big society here. When you talk about the big society, I just my brows starts to furrow because we're doing it already. We're not run by the Forestry Commission, some grey office in Whitehall somewhere. We go to Bank House to liaise with the Forestry Commission. We had two or three Forestry Commission officers up here yesterday. Um, you know, you know them by name. You, they told us about the timber that's coming out, when it's coming out, how it's coming out. They talked to us about which path it's coming down, which track. You know, that's the sort of liaison they're doing on the on the on the floor all all the time. So when people say, um, "Oh, we're going to set up a trust and it's going to run it better than the Forestry Commission." That's a big boast. We've already heard some tales of some tentative uh, formulations of groups and some of the proposals they're putting forward just make me shudder. And, uh, you know, what we can't guard what we can't guard against is people with possibly um, vested interests being able to have an influence on that group. This environment, I mean, has got fabulous development potential. You can just imagine executive houses along the hillsides, all those sorts of things, which I'm quite sure a... F- you know, a certain part of society would want want to bring about, um, and it would be wrong. This forest is at almost a critical stage. Uh, can I say it's got a critical mass at the moment? And I think if it gets broken up any more, it will not be a forest any longer. It'll become a uh, well, a, a clap and common. And, and this is the this trust thing is the way that can be broken down. Because if you can imagine now, government will withdraw the funding in X number of years, maybe two years, maybe five years, maybe ten years. And I can hear what they'll be saying now. Oh, well, of course, we have to balance the books now uh, because we can't we can't afford to make a loss. So this has got to go. We have to allow this. We have to do this. One hotelier said before he left the forest, I would like to see hotels from Canop Crossroads to Lydney. So you can see what his vision was about the future of the Forest of Dean. Um, now, you would just imagine somebody like that gets on, the, on this uh, board and has an influence. This is a Tory stronghold, this constituency at the moment. What, 11,000 majority for Mark Harper? How do you think he's going to do next time if these plans do go ahead? I think it's become uh, severely, severely marginal over the last week or two. Um, our Hoof campaign is non-party political, despite what you know Mark Harper and his friends say, but it is non-party political. And we happen to know that we have tens and tens of thousands of local people and from afar backing us. Uh, they're with us, not with Mr Harper. And have you heard anything that they've said in the last few days, few weeks, that, that, that's given you, given you reason for optimism? They seem to have been changing the, the, the goalposts slightly. Do you see any difference or do you still think it's a forest sell-off effectively? I, I think the goalposts will change frequently uh, between now and the end of the consultation. I think it's, it could potentially be a sell-off by the back, through the back door. It's, much, it's a much softer way of getting to where some people might want to be um, through, through a trust. But I, I have great reservations and great fears about it. Hoof is one of the many organisations that have sprung up in defence of the forests. 38 Degrees is a social campaign organisation that has linked many of these groups together and their Save Our Forests petition has now over 400,000 signatures. David Babs is the executive director of 38 Degrees. I think the reason so many hundreds of thousands of us have got involved in this campaign is because 
we strongly believe that our woodlands need protecting for future generations and that keeping them in public hands is a really important means of doing that where where we look at um, examples of woodland that's been sold off we see um, that public access has been substantially eroded when we look at the standards of management and conservation in publicly owned woods as compared to privately owned woods we see far higher standards across the board in, in publicly owned woods and it's a consultation about how the woodlands are privatised and I think from, for a lot of us that, that makes us ask the question is this, what kind of consultation is this? That's, that, that doesn't feel very genuine to us. It does feel very much like the government has formed a view on this. I was up in the Lake District just a couple of weeks ago meeting with um, local campaigners there um, and um, local parish councillors as well and we visited a, a piece of woods on the, on the shore of um, Lake Coniston called Rigwood which until very recently was a piece of forestry commission land was sold off last November and um, what, what I saw there was um, a car park that had been closed, a fence that had gone up, a picnic area that had been shut, a five bar gate with a padlock on it and the government response would be to say well you thanks to the countryside and rights of way act you still have a legal right to roam in the, in that piece of woodland um i had a legal right to climb over that fence and wander around and look at the the the, the, the remains of the picnic spot um but i think for most of us we realize that there's every difference in the world between forests that are designed to encourage and enable visitors with car parks, visitor centres, cafes, wheelchair and buggy accessible paths, horse riding trails, mountain bike trails. There's every difference in the world between that and a legal right to climb over a padlocked gate. David Babs from 38 Degrees on why he thinks the sell-off would be a disaster. We will shortly be speaking to people who are in favour of the sale, but before we do that, let's hear from The Guardian's environment editor, John Vidal, on what the ecological implications are for private ownership. In the past, I would say that the Forestry Commission has not been a very good conserver of the forest. It has mainly tried to grow as many trees as possible. This has changed considerably in the last 10 years. Um, and now you are seeing very much an accountable organisation trying to be ecologically much, much more aware. And so it's definitely on the right track. Um, my concern is that there is no accountability in the same way with private ownership. Although you can, you can lay down rules and guidelines and things, it's actually very, very difficult to ensure that. And I think that uh, there is no guarantee that any of these potential new private owners will be really on the case for, uh, they, they will have to get a return on their money and they will be managing much, much more for a financial return than for access or uh, anything else. Clearly what's happening is that the Prime Minister and all the way down are now exercised by this. What they thought, I think, was going to be a quite a small little issue uh, about the environment has blown up into a potential disaster for the coalition. Speaker, 200 years ago, the privileged people in this country managed to steal the English common land from the English common people. Why is his government returning to that kind of activity by taking away the forests and woods of our country I'm listening to all of the arguments that are being put in this case, but I would just say this. Is it the case that there are organisations like the Woodland Trust, like the National Trust, that could do, do a better job than the Forestry Commission? I believe yes, there are. 
We saw in PMQs fantastic passion by the by the MPs. You then that was followed by a debate. Uh, brought by the opposition. Normally in these debates, which don't really mean anything at all, you'd have about 50 or 60 MPs. This time you had more than 600, 500 anyway. Um, And you had the first signals that there was a rebellion. So seven coalition MPs rebelled, uh, three Conservative and four Lib Dems. A further seven abstained and a whole bunch of others did not vote, who turned up and did not vote. And that suggests to a lot of the political watchers that there is a rebellion in the making here. Two days ago, a uh, cost-benefit analysis report was found on the Forestry Commission website. This was uh, prepared, obviously, fairly recently uh, by DEFRA and by the Forestry Commission, and it looked at the costs of the sell-off um, and the benefits. And over 20 years, they came to much the same thing. It was £655 million was going to be the cost, and £645 million was going to be the benefit. Government is actually going to lose money on this sell-off. It must be the only sell-off where people lose. Now, what we know now is that the Treasury is extremely exercised about this. They're saying, what on earth is going on? How come you're selling off uh, stuff and you're not even going to make a profit. The reality is that anyone, the government, if it does sell off, will have huge upfront costs it has to pay. I'm in Speech House, the historic seat of government for the Forest of Dean. I'm talking to a, a modern politician now. This is Councillor Brian Thornton, who's the Vice Chairman of Gloucestershire County Council and a Conservative councillor. So tell me, why is your party doing this? Why are they Selling off the forest, is that the way to put it? No, that is not the way to put it. The one thing that is not going to happen is the forest is not going to be sold off. It is part of the coalition's policy to dispose of many of the quangos that were set up by previous governments with the object that responsibility for running local organisations which were in the hands of central government are devolved down to the localities. Localism, in other words. And explain to us, if you can, how you see it working in the future. What are the sort of groups that might run the forest? How could it work? What's the model as far as you're concerned? The model that I would like to see would be a charity which is based on the verderers. The verderers have in the past been responsible for the Forest of Dean. There are many other institutions who I believe should be represented in whatever vehicle we choose to have. It should have a lease given to it by central government with all the conditions built into that lease so that people have the enjoyment of the forest as they know it at the moment. Politically, though, it's very sensitive. It might be dangerous. Mark Harper, your MP, the Conservative MP, has got a big majority at the moment, but we've been hearing a lot of anger out in the forest today. Yes, I do know there is a great deal of anger. I think that anger is misplaced. In the fullness of time, it will be shown that Mark Harper's work has been very successful. You know about this DEFRA report, though. They said over 20 years, this sell-off, sell-off's the wrong way of putting it, this scheme could cost the government money. Yes, I believe that uh, 
it probably is the case, do we just have to look 20 years ahead? This forest was planted over 100 years ago. I don't think uh, you can just judge a policy like this on the basis of the next 20 years. We're in the, uh, the village or hamlet of, of Alvington, in the heart of the, the Forest of Dean. I'm here with Councillor Alistair Fraser in his llama farm. He does llama trekking. Some camels I saw over there earlier. And we're going to talk to Alistair about what he thinks of this idea. Well, I think it's something that we have got to investigate. Um, there are a lot of opportunities that could present themselves. I mean, it may well be that once we've looked at, all, looked at it all, we'll prefer to stay the way we are. But at least we've got to take the opportunity to examine the, the, the various options. And you're thinking of setting up a trust, are you? The suggestion uh, was that uh, a charitable trust could be set up. And the charitable trust, the way I see it, would employ all of the Forestry Commission staff the government uh, would uh, hand it over, probably on a lease, to the trust, and uh, no, no monies would change hand. Um, big business would be kept well away from it, and uh, I, I visualise the trustees as all being unpaid, so that they could, sort of, if you like, tell the Forestry Commission what the local public wanted. I hate the word localism because it's... Um, I'm never quite sure what it really means, but I, I just think that the local people should have a say in the forest. And you don't think there's a fear that, that having a trust, having the forest run in a different way might mean people don't have access? Ordinary walking people, horse riders, is there a danger they'll be denied access to the forest? No, not exactly the opposite. Uh, those of us who deal with the Forestry Commission on a regular basis know just how difficult it is to deal with the, with, with the Commission. I mean, it took me ages to get permission to do llama trekking in the forest. But I think with a trust, you would have people from the various um, factions involved in the trust. I mean, I'd like to see somebody from tourism, accommodation, um, the activities, leisure pursuits, all involved with the, with the trust. Plus, you know, some really good local businessmen. No yellow ribbons around your trees so far? Well, I, I didn't think it was necessary to put uh, things up because I knew that the forest wasn't being sold. I, my Member of Parliament told me that. I have known him for a long time. I found him to be a very trustworthy guy and I, I believed him. The National Trust is likely to play a large part in the future of the forests if they are sold off. They have extensive experience of owning and managing land in this country. Earlier, I asked Director-General Fiona Reynolds her opinions of the state selling off of the forests. The Forestry Commission's done a pretty good job um, in managing our woodlands and forests from a multi-purpose perspective to meet public benefit goals as well as commercial timber goals. And, you know, that experience has been there for, you know, 100 odd years. So the thought of a radically different future for the forest estate, um, you know, it needs a lot of thinking through. In particular, um, it's clear that the commercial excitement that was initially felt may, may, may be illusory. Um, the forests are a net cost to the Treasury. 
and there's no particular reason to think that wouldn't continue to be the case. And therefore, really big questions about who could afford to take them on and how those public benefits could be guaranteed. Well, we've, we've certainly registered our desire to be part of the debate about forests. Uh, first of all, we don't know enough about the government's proposals. Secondly, we don't know whether the government will change their mind in response to what is clearly an enormous public concern about the proposals. And thirdly, you know, there would be a lot of other bodies that we'd want to discuss with um, who, who also have knowledge and experience in this area. So I think there are some quite big questions before we reach that point. You know, there isn't an ideological point here. You know, we're not saying woodlands have to be in the public sector, but we are saying that the Forestry Commission has done a good job and um, it, this is to be a change. It has to be well thought through and clear about how those public benefits that are delivered are, are to be provided in future. Fiona Reynolds, Director-General of the National Trust. The way the Forestry Commission currently works is that money made from commercial forests and timber sales is ploughed back in to conserve the rest of the woodland. This revenue for maintaining the woods would be lost if the sellout happens. Lord Clark of Windermere is the former chair of the Forestry Commission and an ex-forestry worker. I think of recent years they've been doing, been doing an excellent job. The Forest Commission has changed its ways over the past 20 years as we've moved from just producing timber through to multi-purpose forestry. People love our forests, they love our trees, they love going into our woods and that's what state forestry can provide. My greatest fear is that we will lose part of our heritage and that people, even though they will go to forests, they won't feel welcomed. Because quite frankly, if you're running a private forest, you're running it for profit. And that's my great fear, the quality of life and the opportunities of people to get into the forest will be limited. I'm very conscious that when Mrs. Thatcher attempted to do this 25 years ago, she really decided to do a U-turn, even Maggie, in face of the massive public opposition. This government is much more ideological than Thatcher, believe it or not. And they're doing this with uh, a forest, and Jim Pace, the minister, said so. This is nothing to do with saving money. It's going to cost us taxpayers' money. It's nothing to do with the big society. It's basically to do with ideology. It's unfinished business. And we've got to stop them, if we possibly can, in the House of Lords. Our time in the Forest of Dean has come to an end. It's clear it's an issue that raises huge passions in this area. And there are a lot of questions still to answer. But we hear that David Cameron may be getting slightly cold feet on the issue. One thing's for sure. The next three months will see no let-up in campaigning by groups like Hoof and the residents of the Forest of Dean. That's all for this week's Focus podcast. I'm Stephen Morris and the producer was Peter Sale. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.